Everyone wants to believe in something. So I, I want to believe, but it's, it's this idea of how I want to believe in God, but, and, and there's these faith-blocking circumstances that, that seem to take place and go, hey, I want to believe, but last week as we introduced this series, we, we started with, hey, I want to believe, but God let me down. I want to believe in God, but God let me down. Because see, people that don't even believe in God, even find, these people even find themselves praying. Maybe that's even your story. Maybe you're at a place where you're believing now. Maybe you're at a place you're still going, I'm still not believing, and I'm just kind of here today. I'm just going to kind of check this out. But you're going, hey, I, I, I prayed because if there is a God, I, I just want him to come through for me. And so, so I pray, and I want to believe, but, but God let me down because I, I prayed. And, and what happens is too many times we wait to pray to God until there's an emergency. We wait to pray to God until we go, hey, here's an emergency. I need something and I need it now. And it's going to be a miracle in all capital letters. God, and I need you to come through. And we tell them what we need, when we need it. We don't tell them why. We just tell them, sometimes we do. We just say, because if you really love me. And, and we add these, these caveats to it. And if God doesn't answer that prayer, when we ask for it and how we ask for it, we get to this place where we go, hey, I want to believe. I want to believe, but, but God let me down. See, too many times it's too easy to, to treat prayer as this device that we go, hey, God, you just need to deliver. That, that, that prayer is this, this miracle delivery device, and so I'm using this, and I'm asking you, God, to come through and to bring in the miracle. And when God doesn't do that in that moment, in that time, for some, they go, I want to believe, but God let me down. So we have to be careful that we don't treat prayer in the way that we communicate and try to interact with God. That we don't treat this as if God exists for us. Because see, God doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. That God created us, and he created us to have a relationship with him. And the truth is, is God is going to let us down. He's going to let every single one of us down. But it's not because he's an imperfect God. It's not because he's going to do something wrong. Because he won't. That his ways are higher his ways are purer, his ways are truer than our ways. But, but we have some expectations that we shouldn't have for God. And so because we have these expectations that we shouldn't have, when God doesn't meet those expectations, God lets us down. And so there are going to be times that this happens. And, and when God lets us down, we need to look and we need to understand, oh, what, what do we do with this? That, that we need to hold very loosely to our plans and our desires. We don't hold them tightly and go, this is how it has to be. We just need to hold very loosely to our plans and our desires and allow God to do what God's going to do. We need to change our perspective. That we need to look and go, okay, you know, I'm not going to define who God is by my circumstances. I just need to change my perspective that when God lets you down is when you need to spend more time with him. That we would take time and spend with him to seek to know him and understand him and understand that, that he's a God that still loves us even though he might not have delivered whatever our demand of him was. And today, we're going to look at the idea of I want to believe, but I don't feel 
God's presence. That, that I want to believe. I, I want to believe in God. I want to believe there's a God. And, but I don't feel his presence. And since I don't feel his presence, I, I, I can't believe. I'm, I'm waiting for that feeling so that I can believe. Let, let, me, let me ask a question to those in the room. If you're a believer, this question is for you. And just kind of show me your hands if this is, this is true for you. If you've felt the presence of God before, I just want you to kind of raise your hand up and just kind of see, look, look around. There's, there's several, not everybody, but there are several, okay? All right, so let me ask you another question, and, and this one might not be so flattering on Crosspoint, but I'm going to ask it anyways. How many of you have felt the presence of God here? See, it's not as many hands. So that's okay. Thanks for being honest, okay? So, so now let me ask you one last question, and you're not going to like this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What does the presence of God feel like? That, that if you were to try to describe that and tell somebody, hey, I felt the presence of God, and they were to respond immediately with, tell, tell, me, tell, tell, me, tell me what it felt like. What would you say? Because that's, that's kind of difficult. We go, yeah, 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 I, I, felt, I felt the presence of God, and I felt it multiple times. Okay, so what does it feel like? Uh, a feeling? Because, see, we, we might equate that to this, this emotional feeling that we feel. And, and, and we know what it's like to have our emotions stirred, right? We know what that's like from, from movies. Sometimes some of these movies that we'll watch, you know, there's a guy named Nicholas Sparks that writes some things and people watch it, you know. And, and you certainly feel some things. Usually it's like, you know, especially the ladies. And so, so yeah, we, we know what that's like. You can read some novels, and, and then we can get some love notes from somebody, and we kind of get some, some stirred-up feeling. We, we know what it's like to have these, these emotions stirred. And so, so we have to be careful, is, because is, 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 is God's presence just an emotion? Is that all it is? Is it something that's meant to, to stir an emotion, and, and that's what his presence is for? See, the presence of God is greater than our feelings. That it is. It's something that it's far greater than our feelings. And, 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 and I think that, that, that if God's presence is something that he knew would always be felt by everyone whenever he was around, then there's something that he wouldn't have done that we can read about in the Old Testament. That we can read about that when, when God freed his people, the Israelites, after captivity, from hundreds of years of captivity, and he freed them from that, and he's leading them into this promised land. One of the things that he does is he says, I'm going I'm to show you my presence. That during the day, you're going to see me as this cloud. And, and, and then at night, there's going to be this pillar of fire. That's going to be me. That's my presence. And I think it's because he knew that, that people weren't always going to feel his presence. You know, because, because we can be present and people don't feel it. Now, this is probably a total guy thing. But, but us guys, we, 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 we like taking advantage of, at times, being present when somebody else doesn't feel it. In fact, the, the, what we will do is, is when we know, and we usually pick a female, whether it's our daughters or our wife or, you know, whoever it is we do this to when I was young, did it to my mom, you know. But, but what we do is, is when we know, hey, they don't, they don't realize we're here, we just kind of like to, to duck into a little spot and let them walk by. And after they walk by, we're present. They're, they're, we, they don't know it. And when they walk by, we like to greet them. You know, and, and we like to watch them jump. We like to watch them bounce. We like to see them go <gasps> and take their breath away. But there's one thing that, that when we hear this, we go, I got what I was going for. And it's when we hear this. 
I almost wet my pants. <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah, I got you, I got you, I got you. You know, because there's just something about it that, 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 that we're present. We've been there the whole, but they just didn't realize it. And so we do, and listen, sometimes, sometimes God's present. And we just don't feel it. We don't sense it. We don't know that he is there, but, but, he's, but he's present. He's there, and we need to understand that it's greater than our feelings. Not everybody feels God's presence when they seek it. So you might, you might go, okay, so I wasn't seeking it in those presence, so I get that. But wait, wait, wait. Not everybody feels God's presence when they seek it. This is true as well. That so we can look at one of the psalmists. These, these writings in our Bible that they were penned, and they were penning a song, and, and they, they would sing these things. And so there's this psalm, Psalm chapter 88, verses 13 and 14. And, and the psalmist, he, he wrote this. Oh, Lord, I cry out to you. I will keep on pleading day by day. Oh, Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? He's seeking the presence of God, but he's not feeling it. It doesn't mean that God's not present, but he certainly isn't feeling the presence of God. To which you might go, I, I get that that, that, that that could happen. Do you realize that there was a time that Jesus didn't feel the presence of God? Jesus, the, the one who is the, the Trinity, part of the Trinity, the triune part of God. And, and, and he is God and he's the son of God. And, and then you have the spirit of God. And, and, and here's Jesus, the son of God. And, and there was a time that he didn't feel the presence of of God the Father. See, when, he, when, when this time came, that Jesus was, was giving his life, he was hanging on the cross. And he had been hanging on the cross for about six hours. Look at this with me in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Laba Sakbaktani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some other translations might say forsaken me. But abandoned really captures what this is. And it's for the very first time, it's the only time that Jesus didn't feel the presence of God in all of eternity. Jesus, who had always existed, left heaven, came to earth. And in this moment, he did not feel God's presence. So I want to talk this morning about three reasons you might not feel God's presence. There might be more, but I'm, I'm going to share with you three reasons that you might not feel God's presence. Which means there are going to be times <clears throat> that God is present. And you're just not going to feel it. And so let's look at these. <clears throat> the first one is maybe you're over-sensationalizing it. 
That, that maybe you're just you're over sensationalizing that, 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 that there's got to be this feeling that I feel that there's this thing that has to happen in order for me to know that God is present. Maybe maybe you've been present when we do some of our singing and, and you see somebody and they're just kind of their hands are up and they're, they're worshiping God. They got one hand up sometimes. Maybe they have got two and you're like, oh, wow, they did two that time. I wonder if they feel God even more that one. And, and just go, what's going on? My, my hands are down here and you're just kind of going, OK, God, if, if you'll lift my hand up, I'll do that, too. Because you're, you don't get it, and you're like, oh, I, I just want that, but, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel I don't feel like I should raise it. So God, just, just lift that hand up if you want it to go. And so we do. Sometimes we, we over-sensationalize this of what God's presence is and to be able to know that he's there. And we over-sensationalize that there's got to be a feeling in order for us to believe. So I want to share with you and from the book of John. In John chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 25, and, and I want to share with you that this particular occasion where there's some people that are going, hey, hey Jesus, give us, give us a sign. And so we're going to start in verse 25. It says, they found him, talking about Jesus, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, which means teacher, when did you get here? Let me give you a little context. So earlier in this chapter, Jesus is talking to thousands of people, and he's spending a lot of time with them. And his disciples come up to him and say, uh, Jesus, we've been at it all day, and uh, these people are hungry, and so we need to let them go. And Jesus, because and they said, because they, they need to go home and eat. They, they need to eat something. He says, well, you feed them. Like, well, how are we supposed to feed them? It's Sunday, and Chick-fil-A is closed. You know, we, we, we don't know. We don't know how to feed them. What, what are we, we going to do? And so, so Jesus says, well, you need to feed them. And so they, they look around. All they can find is they've got this one, guy, one kid. He's got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, that'll do. And so they feed 5,000 people with five loaves, two fish, and there were leftovers. Twelve basketfuls of leftovers. This is all taking place. And at the end of all of that, when Jesus finally dismisses the disciples and they head off, he puts the disciples, he says, go, go get on the boat, go to the other side of the lake. He says, I'll, I'll join you later. He wanted to spend time alone with the Heavenly Father before he would join them. Well, his disciples took the only boat that was there to head on over to the other side, three and a half miles to the other side of the lake. And so Jesus joins up with them by walking on the water. And he joins up and, and he meets up with them. And then they get to the other side. So now it's the next day. They're there on the other side. And these people that were experiencing this miracle of being fed because they, Jesus just fed them all. They went and got their boats and headed over. And now they're there. And so they found him on the other side of the lake. They asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Verse 26. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Don't you like how he answers our question? When did you get here? Here's your reprimand. You know, he, he didn't answer when he got there. He just looked at him and said, hey, you just want to be where I am because I fed you, but you didn't even understand the miraculous sign, what God was doing through that feeding. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. I'm sent by God. Don't miss it. So don't be looking for, to me for perishable things. 
but be looking to me for eternal things, things that's going to last, because that's why he came. And they replied, we want to perform God's work works too. What should we do? We, we, we want to do what, what you're capable of doing. We, we thought that was pretty cool that you could feed all of us like that. And so we want that ability. We, we want to do what God, God, God can do. So we, we, can we be used by God in the same way? And so that, this is what they're asking. And they want to be able to do this. So, so what should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. You want to do a work for God? Believe in the one that he has sent. That's the greatest work we could do. Not trying to do miracles. and Believing in the one that he has sent. And they answered. Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? This is the same Jesus that the day before fed them miraculously. Fed them. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of, of, of our ebb and flow in our faith journey. Because if you're anything like me, that, that there's times that we're like going, we're on fire, we're so close, and we just absolutely believe everything about God. And then there's times that, that these doubts creep in and creep along into our faith. And we're like going, oh man, why, why do I, we don't even like that we doubt at times, but these doubts will come in. And so, so when we doubt, you know what we need? We, we, we need God to give us something that makes us go, okay, I can hold on to that. Okay, yeah, 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 I'm good. And, and so God does that. And when God does that, we're like, okay, we're good, we're good, we're good. We're, oh, thank you, thank you for that reminder, I needed that. And then we go through life, and, and as life happens, we end up doubting again. You know what happens when we doubt again? The previous things that God has done to show us that he's real don't work. Do they? That, that, that he's already proven himself to us before, and, and, and proved when, when we asked, and, and, and he's shown, and he's like, okay, yes, I need that. But as soon as we doubt again, we're like going, okay, God, I, I need something else. This is a new doubt, and so this new doubt needs something different so that you can show me so that I can be reminded that I, I can just be assured. See, that's what these guys were doing. And so be careful that, that, that you don't judge them too harshly because if you're like me, that, that you, you've done some of this yourself, of going, hey, I, I believed, and, and then life happened, and so then I'm kind of like, I'm doubting a little bit. God, God, give me something. And so this is what is taking place with these guys. Show us this miraculous sign. So what can you do? And they say, after all, our ancestors ate manna, the stuff that just floated down from the sky and, and, and that God provided for them, food for them, that our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus has a lot to say about that after that. And so, but we're not going to get into that. We don't have time for that. But listen, I, I'm covering this because I want you to look at this and I want you to see something that should be true about you that you need to understand because it, it was definitely true about them. There will never be proof enough. There, there, there will never be. And, and so sometimes we over-sensationalize and we go, hey, I, I need this and I need this thing to come through. And we over-sensationalize wanting to feel the presence of God because, see, there'll never be proof enough. And this is certainly where they were because feelings alone will never prove the existence of God. There won't. 
Feelings alone will never prove the existence of God. Your feelings will let you down. Your feelings will mislead you. I think that there's plenty of believers in this room that could say, hey, I, I really felt like this is what God wanted me to do, and they did it, and then they look back and go, why did I do that? Because they felt like that's what God wanted them to do, but then they realized later, that was not, that didn't turn out like what I thought it would if that was really what God wanted me to do. And so yes, this is one of the reasons that you might not feel God's presence. A second one is that you might not feel God's presence uh, because maybe your heart has been hardened. It's that first one, you know, over some days we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's okay, I can get that. <laughs> Wait, Will, don't get so personal. What do you mean maybe my heart is hardened? That yes, maybe your heart has become hardened, cold, calloused to the things of God and who he is. Let me share with you in the book of Matthew, where Matthew ends up capturing this event and writes this down in the memoirs, the life and times of Jesus. Starting in verse 10, he writes, he says, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to people? So there's a, Jesus, why is it that you're making up these stories? Because a parable is a lot like a fable. The only difference is a, a fable is just trying to teach you a truth about life, where a parable is trying to teach you a spiritual truth. So it's, it's a truth. It's a story that's used to teach truth that is eternal truth. And so, so they're saying, hey, why is it when you speak, when you get in front of all these people, that, that you speak in parables, making up these stories to teach us things about God? And he replied, he says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. The, 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 he's, in other words, he's saying, I, I could talk very frankly with you, just, just spill it out and just share it all, because you can understand. But see, other people, they're not permitted to understand those things so clearly. So I have to speak in stories that they can be able to relate and understand through the stories. And, and there's going to be times that, that they don't even hear my story or, or, or they don't capture the real strong essence of it. But if I tell it in a story form, that'll kind of kick around in their brain and in their mind. And, and maybe, just maybe, as they keep wrestling with that, that they'll be able to come to grips with what I was saying. Verse 12, he says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. That's pretty powerful what Jesus is saying. Those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. You know, I don't understand Jesus. There's things I just don't. Then you need to listen to him more. You need to look at his teachings more. And the more you do this, the more understanding you're going to get. And then you're going to get this abundance of knowledge of knowing things about God. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. It's just, it's just going to be taken away. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. That the hearts are hardened. They are calloused and they are cold. 
to the things of God. And their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see. Their ears cannot hear. And their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So all this is, they're asking Jesus, why are you using these parables? And so he shares all these, he says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And I tell you the truth. Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see. That, that if you've read enough to understand in your Bible, it was the religious ones, the religious leaders, that they couldn't understand that Jesus was the fulfillment of what God said he was sending. That, that he is the promised one, the long-awaited one, the Christ, the Messiah. He was in their presence and they could not understand it. But they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Sin is the biggest cause of a cold heart toward God, of a hard heart toward God. Sin. It is. It, 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 it's the greatest cause, the biggest cause of a heart that's been hardened toward God. I think uh, a lot of us have storage bins. That we have these things that, that we go, hey, I don't need that all the time. And so I'm, I'm going to put it away until I need it. And see, when, when it gets really cold outside, that, that there's some things that we need that we didn't need when it was nice and warm. And so I've got one of those containers right here that's uh, got my little uh, sensation devices in here because, you know, that when it gets really cold and nasty outside, you know, you, you're going, hey, I, I need to be prepared for that, and I don't, I don't want to feel the cold, and so I, I'm just going to, to bundle up. And so we have these things, and, and culture has done a really great job of introducing us to these particular things that we need to put on when we're going to go out where it's going to be really cold, especially the things that are very cold to the things of God. And so we need to take and, and pull out our little storage bin and we need to get all prepared because we don't want to feel that cold. When we know that we're going to go out there into that sin and we know we're just going to kind of go out there and we want to play in it, we want to waller in it, that we just need to go, hey, I'm just going to bundle up because I don't, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel that, that cold. I don't want to feel the effects of it. You ever had that problem? And so we do, we get all bundled up. And when we get all bundled up, instead of shivering, instead of feeling it, we're, we're like, oh, it's not so bad out here. It's not so bad hanging out right here because, we, because we've got our, our scintillation on. I mean, it's like 98% scintillation, 2% polyester, you know, but it, it cuts it. It does, it does the trick. And, and culture has conditioned us to make us understand, hey, listen, there's those things that you just don't want to feel them. And because we've worked so hard to make sure that, that we don't feel the effects of sin, that, that, that we put all of this on when we know we're going to go out and we just cover ourselves so we don't have to feel it. And see, so some of us, we go, hey, you know, I don't feel the presence of God. But you know what else some of us don't feel? We don't feel the negative effect of the sin. Because we're like going, hey, we're, we're playing it. We're, we're kind of okay right now. 
It's going to catch up to us. It'll eventually get, we'll, we'll feel the chill. But our heart just keeps growing colder and colder while we are like this. And so there is a danger in getting all bundled up in the insulation. That we just go, hey, I, I'm just going to put this stuff on because I, I don't want to feel, I, I don't want to feel guilt. I, I don't, I don't want to feel shame. And, and we think, hey, as long as I don't feel the guilt and the shame, then, then there must not be any harmful effects because I'm, I'm all covered up. I'm, I'm all bundled up. Even though it's cold where I've stepped into, I, I don't feel it. And so, yeah, we don't. We don't feel the effect of sin because we try to cover ourselves up. And culture has sold us this so well. And we do in some some of us are like storage bin. You, you mean you take it off? I, I just keep that on all the time because I don't ever want to feel it. I, I don't like the cold. I, I don't know if you, if you know that about me, but I don't like the cold. The, the only time I like the cold is, is if we go on a snow ski trip, I, I don't mind going in the cold and playing for a week, and, and, and that's okay. But other than that, I don't like the cold. That, 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 that if you've been around me, you, you hear me say this, okay? What you hear me say, and I start saying this every October. I am so ready for winter to be over. Every October, I, I start saying this. I am ready for winter to be over. And I say that on a monthly basis until April. That I have been saying it this month. I am ready for winter to be over. Because I, I like the heat. Some people, you know, they'll experience a, a nice, pleasant day, and it's like 80 degrees outside. People are, oh, this weather's perfect. But I'm like, perfect? No, 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 bring on the heat. You know, and I, I want it hot. And it can't get hot enough for me because I like playing in the water. I, and I like the water to be nice and warm. And so that, that's just me. And so, so when we look at this and we look at our lives, some of us were like going, you know what? I, I, I'm okay and I, I'm comfortable when I'm playing in the cold things of life. Because I'm all bundled up and, and I don't feel it at all. And we insulate ourselves from the sin. We no longer feel the harmful effects of it and feel our heart growing cold to the things of God. And we get comfortable in a sinful climate. And if we're not careful, we will seek to protect being able to be in the presence of sin more so than seeking the desire to be in the presence of God. And so our heart can grow cold. And sin is this thing that it just, it breaks intimacy with God. That it keeps us from having this complete trust in him. And some of the most entrapping sins in our life that, that get us to hang out in, in the cold and waller in it, that some of the sins that do this the most for us are not what we would label the big sins. I think God sees all sins the same. But what we might label as big sins, it's these, these things that we might call these little sins that get us to just kind of hang out and chill out. And that we invite these unrighteous things into our life. Greed and lust and bitterness and anger that, that, 
that these are things that, that, that we don't have a problem with or, or the way that, that we just speak to people and the language that we use. But we don't feel it because our heart is hardened to the things of God. King David, he said this. If you don't know King David, King David's this guy that, that when he was still a, a boy, that, that he slayed this giant Goliath and he later became the king of the nation of Israel. And so he's one of the contributors to the book of Psalms and, and this is one of his contributions. It's in Psalm chapter 51. We'll start in verse 2. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned and I have done what is evil in your sight. That you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. Don't say your judgment against me is not fair. You know, it's, it's just and, and it is right. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. I was a sinner. That this is one of those things that we can look at, and as a believer and somebody who trusts God's word, that, that this is one of those things that points to me of, of when does life begin? And there's all this controversy right now in our nation about, but, but when is it life? And there's this thing that abortion, and people are using this, and people are saying, hey, hey when, when is it not life? And so we can abort at this particular time because it's really aborting, and so there was not, life never happened. And now we've got some states that are even saying, hey, you know what? You can abort even after it comes out of the womb a lot and breathing and oh how we have missed this gift of life that God has given that starts at conception and David he's like hey I, I, I was a sinner I, I, I was a sinner I was born this way and in fact I was conceived this way and what we get from this and what we understand from this is that yes, there was Adam who was created, there was Eve who was created, and they were created without sin. There was Jesus who came into the world and he came in without sin, but everybody else has sin. Adam and Eve eventually sinned. Jesus was born of a virgin. That God planted the seed inside of a virgin and he was born that way. And so Jesus was born sin-free, but everybody else has been born from the seed of a man. And so that seed is what passes down sin. And we are born sinners. David, he knew this. And he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. Seeking God's presence. It brings conviction of sin. It sees why some of us, there are times in our life we're going, I don't want to seek God's presence. I, I want my sensation, and I, don't, I just want to do what I want to do, and I don't want to feel anything from God. I don't, definitely don't want to feel convicted. And so we don't. We, we, we say, I don't want that. But it's the best thing for us. It is the best thing for us. That yes, it hurts and it stings in the moment, but it is a healing effect that begins to work in our life when we get this conviction from God. The last thing, quickly, is that a third reason that you might not feel God is maybe God wants to draw you closer. 
You don't feel them. And he's going, I, I, want you to, I want you to come even closer. In the book of Acts, it's written and it talks about Jesus. Jesus is the he in this that we're getting ready to read. Jesus has already given his life. He's already returned to heaven. It says, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He, Jesus, decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. And he determined their boundaries. And his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. Do you thirst for closeness with God? Do you hunger and thirst for that? That maybe God wants to draw you closer to him. Jeremiah, this prophet, he was the weeping prophet. And, 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 and this prophet, he, he would speak for God as God would speak to him. And in Jeremiah 29, verses 13 and 14, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Let, let's look at this. If you look for me, what's this word? Yeah, wholeheartedly. You guys are kind of like half-heartedly saying that. So let's try to say that wholeheartedly. If you look for me, yes, if you look for me wholeheartedly, that you will find me. Or maybe we need to look at it. That's when you will find me. Verse 14, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will be found by you, you who look for me wholeheartedly, that I will be found by you. If, if you're looking half-heartedly, let me kind of just kind of put my toe in there, kind of say, there's no guarantee you're going to find and discover God. But when you look wholeheartedly, you will seek and you will find him. That we need to discover just how to sense the presence of God. To know that God is present in our life. That he is the ever-present Father in our lives. And be careful not to trust your feelings to determine whether or not God is present with you. One last verse. This verse is in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8. James was a half-brother of Jesus. They both had Mary as their mother. And this is what James, he said, he said, come close to God. And God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. That yes, we, we need to draw close to God. And when we draw close to him, he will draw close near to us. We have something here at Crosspoint called Next Steps. And Next Steps for us, it's, a, it's just a booth. It's right on the other side of this wall. And Next Step exists to help you take your next step in your faith journey. And whether that is taking your first step into believing God, or whether you're already a believer and you're looking to take that next step, and maybe a next step for you is, hey, I want to learn and grow because, you know, Jesus said, hey, if, if I begin to seek him and I begin to listen to his teaching, that I'm going to understand it and I'm going to get this abundance of knowledge. How do I do that? How do I go about that? 
Listen, at our next steps, we've got several ways we would love to help you take a next step in your faith journey. And you can stop by there before you leave today. And, and, and they can give you ways that you can help. They can even show you how you can get a free Bible, how you can begin to have a way to, to read through that Bible in ways that make sense, ways that you can apply that to your everyday life. But we would love to help you at our next steps so that you can learn to discern that God is present in your life, even when you don't feel it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are the one who created us, and you created us with joy and with pleasure. and You created us for relationship, and, and you created us to, to be near us. And I, I pray that, that, that we would be encouraged to draw near to you, that we would draw close to you, and that we would experience through that you coming near to us, that we would be wholehearted in our faith pursuit of you, and that we would experience the joy that can only come from a wholehearted pursuit. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.